welcome to you in the house of God here at Christian Outreach Centre here in Charters Towers. I, I trust that all, Almighty God, uh, as God revealed himself to Abraham, El Shaddai, I am Almighty God, he said. And that's who we serve. We serve Almighty God. And I pray that he's going to do mighty things in you tonight. Amen? And, um, and I was just wondering the, this, this morning, and I was pondering about the word of the Lord that God would have me bring, because it's always something that Lord drops in my spirit even at the last moment, sometimes only a couple of hours before the service, excuse me, and then the, the Lord gives me a message. But did you know that the biggest and deepest word in the Bible, the word of God, is not propitiation? Who likes that word? And we see that in, uh, I think it's the book of Romans, persecution or perseverance. Biggest word in the word of God is not redemption, requirements or righteousness, it's not sanctification, sufficiency, or slanderously. They are not the biggest words in the Bible. It's not even Nebuchadnezzar out of the book of Daniel. Now, there's a big word for you. It's got 14 letters in our English translation. As a young Christian, I thought it was pronounced Nebuchadnezzar. And then somebody pointed me in the right direction and said, that's Nebuchadnezzar. That's how we say it. So 14 letters in that mighty word. But I, was, uh, I always thought that when I read the name Nebuchadnezzar as a young Christian, you really appreciate the name called John, don't you? <laughs> when you're reading through all the begats and the begats and some of those names hard to pronounce. But I'd like to give you a hint as to what this amazing, this powerful word may be. And I'd like to give you a clue, and it's found in this little proverb. I thought its origin was Dutch. My family's Dutch and my grandmother taught it to me, so I assumed it was. And so uh, it's a ten, uh, it contains this little proverb, ten two-letter words, and perhaps you've heard of it, and it goes like this. It says, if it is to be, it is up to me. Ten two-letter little words. And it's quite profound, isn't it? If it is to be, it is up to me. It was my grandmother instilling some values in a grandson. Always appreciated my grandmother, loved her heaps. Now, I know some of you may think that the word I'm going to speak about is me, because this is a me generation, all right? If it is to be, it is up to me. So is that the word? Well, I want to say it's not. Uh, in this all about me mentality, which we need to get out of our head. But it's been my observation and experience that without a doubt, the biggest and the most meaningful word, if it was to be condensed into one, in the whole of this glorious book we call the Bible... It's this enormous word called if. If it is to be, it is up to me. If. Uh, uh, much of our life hinges on this amazing word called if. And when you think about it, it's all those small words between the big words that make everything happen in our life. It's true, isn't it? It's uh, the ifs. Uh, the if is actually a conjunctive word or a joining word. Admitting something to be or not to be is in this word called if. Allowing something unseen in a biblical sense to become a reality is often this big, huge, enormous word called if. Granting or even denying is separated by this word if. If you had the king's scepter being put before you, whether you were to be blessed or to be cursed would be separated by a word called if. Granting or denying, providing for or remaining in want 
in a biblical sense, can be separated by this mighty word called if. Whether or whether not weighs in the balance as the big if can tip the scales in your favor. Conditions met physically and spiritually and in every other way often rely on this mighty word called if. You think, Jeff, well, this is really deep, isn't it? This is very deep. In Isaiah 1.19, God said, he said, if you are willing and obedient, you shall separate the good of the land. Isn't that amazing? You can live in a life of mediocrity or you can enjoy the good of the land, but it will most often rely on being willing and obedient, if you are willing and obedient. Separating the issue of, of blood and being totally healed. In Mark 5.28, we see, and I've already alluded to it in my prayer, the desperate woman in the midst of the multitude said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Or in the NIV, it says, I will be healed, or I shall be whole in the King James Version. Taking the if I can touch to I will be healed. Isn't that an amazing difference? We can remain the if, almost hesitant, unsure, but we can turn it into something really, really positive and begin to apprehend the promises of God. And, or apprehending God himself. As God apprehended Saul on the road to Damascus, then he spent the rest of his life apprehending the God who apprehended him. Have you apprehended God today? If, if the blessings and the cursings are separated often by this one almighty word, the if is now by decision, by action and by faith, turned into a declaration of I shall or I will be made whole, said the woman with the issue of the blood. I, if I can touch Jesus, I will be made whole. What a declaration. There's nothing whimsical about that. She, the, de the desperate cry in the midst of the multitude, surrounded by a throng of people the Bible describes. But who would tame the blessing? The one who's, who broke through, probably just reached out in the dust. In the dust and in the dirt she reached out. If I can touch Jesus, I will be made whole. I will be healed in the name of Jesus. In Luke 9.23, Jesus said, If anyone, we know it's an all-inclusive, all-encompassing gospel, desires to come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. Isn't it great? If anyone. The Bible talks about in Mark 11.22.24, Whosoever can have whatsoever. So it's non-discriminatory. If there's anything non-discriminatory, it's the gospel. Because the gospel is the great leveler. John 6, 51, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. That's Jesus speaking. He's talking about an eternity in uh, eternity with God or eternity separated from God, saying that if anyone, what joins you and eternity is this mighty word activated by if, turning the if into I will touch God. Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said, if you, oh, this is good, isn't it? Let me go there, Matthew, Matthew 17, 20. I pray that you bring your Bibles so you can check up and, and uh, so you can check out for yourself. Because of your unbelief, this is Jesus speaking, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. Who needs something to be moved from, to move from here, 
Oh, is there sickness in your life? You can say, move from here. If there's debt around your life, you can say, move from here. It will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Oh, it turns the if into something really, really positive, something really, really powerful. God is ever-present. He is the ever-present help in time of need. He's just not an Old Testament God. He's the God of miracles. People say, oh, the miracles, the day of miracles is past. But I want to say we don't serve a day of miracles. It is a God of miracles. He said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever, and I change not. I am the God who heals you. Amen. That's the God we serve. The God who provides, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I am Almighty God, El Shaddai. But even Satan recognized the power of this word when he sent it to Jesus in the wilderness. And I call it a delusional Satan. And he is delusional and he still is delusional and he always will be delusional. And Matthew 4, 9, he says, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. He only had authority by default anyway. And at the, any, at the breath of the Lord's mouth, he'll, he'll be down the road like tumbleweed at the appropriate time. Another, go, another word for Satan is just tumbleweed, amen? Because at the breath of the Lord's mouth, he'll be gone, amen? When the Lord's had his use of him, he'll be tumbleweed. But separating us, that's you and I, from the status quo of where we currently are, the consequences of the ifs in the word of God are mighty. Oh, do you need anything moved from the status quo? And the Bible says it's full of ifs, ifs and buts. But I tell you what, when you can turn those ifs, meet the conditions, and the God of all creation is back of it. If is the critical word which activates the promise of God with the condition being met. There are some conditions. People say, I can live like the devil and expect God to move on my behalf. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. We serve a just and holy God, amen? A just and holy God. And said the, the effective and fervent prayer, James 5.16 says, the effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And we are called the righteousness of God in Christ. So my question to you and to those even listening online, whether you're running on the beach or at the gym or wherever you are, is are you in Christ? So meeting the conditions of if tip the scales of critical mass and the balance weighs heavily in your favour. You can tip the scales of critical mass tonight. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. You can walk in here full of doubt. You can walk in here full of unbelief. You can fall, feel, uh, come in here with fear and all those sorts of things. But when faith kicks in, amen, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The heaven, the heaven is voice activated and the, and, the, and the benefits of serving God, the healing God, the providing God is when it's activated by faith. God does not always respond to need. He responds to faith. And faith is the conduit by which the power of God will flow into our situation. I got a message from the taxation department tonight and I need the power of God, amen? <laughs> God can tip the scales in my benefit. I made a few hiccups and things like that. And they gave me a call. They not gave me a call. They gave me a text messages. I'm doing my taxation online. And I thought, oh, gosh, this doesn't fill me full of faith before I go to preach a message. And so I didn't want to read anymore. But God will move on my behalf. Amen? God will move on my behalf. And uh, it's not a long message here tonight. 
because it's not a big word, is it? But it is a mighty word. If my people, oh my, amen? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Oh, you can apprehend that. And that's coming to pass. It's in the back of the book. And the glory of the Lord will cover the seas. Amen. And it speaks of an end time outpouring of God's spirit across the face of the nations. Amen. And so we're not moved by what we feel. And we don't live by what we see. Because my God has made a way for me. It's good, isn't it? It's fantastic stuff. And so... uh, it may be used to indicate a, 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 a supposition or something, this word. It's called an injunctive word. Or, so it's a connecting word from want to having things of God uh, uh, and uh, to living a mediocre life or living on the shelf of mediocrity or living in the provision of God and uh, complying with God's demands. And God does have demands. In Deuteronomy 28, I'd love if you would go to Deuteronomy 28, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's the fifth book of the Bible. And we're just in the closing verses of the Torah, or the Tanakh, as the Hebrew people call it. And uh, Moses is now uh, uh, bringing to the people the ordinance of being blessed or living under the curse. This is the Old Testament stuff, and it puts it very bluntly. I like the Old Testament in that because it doesn't sugarcoat stuff. It says it how it is. And you'll see that in Deuteronomy 28, it starts out with the blessing. In Deuteronomy 28 and verses 1 to 15, and it starts out, Now it shall come to pass if... That's how it starts. Now it, come, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord. And following that is 14 verses of amazing blessing that come to your life. And I call it the uncomplicated life of living in the blessing of God. And how do I know it's uncomplicated? It's, uh, it's not always the easiest life to live for God, but it is the best life to live for God. And it's uncomplicated, it's straightforward, it's more predictable. But if you want to go the way of the earth, you can see in uh, Genesis 28, verses 15 to 68, that's 54 verses, and it starts off, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, and following is 54 verses of curses. That's got a rhyme to it, hasn't it? Not a good rhyme to, to want for your life. 54 verses of curses. And so I call those 54 verses of curses the complicated life of the sinner. And it is a complicated life. When I look down the street these days and the homes, the level of dysfunction in our societies and our communities, to steal a word from the media is unprecedented. You'd have to agree. The level of complexity in our lives, we've got... Mothers and fathers dropping their kids and doing children exchanges at daycare or Maccas because they've got cameras in the car park. It's all this sort of thing. It's a complicated life, isn't it? Broken homes, and we're all part of this whole scenario. No homes, no family group is unscathed by the dysfunction. But it comes through this thing called if you diligently obey or if you do not obey the voice of the Lord. And the word there to activate it is for, for both of those scenarios is the word if. 
And so we, we reflect on our life. Sometimes we scratch our heads late in the evening and go, if only. <laughs> Who's ever thought that? If only I had not said, if only I had not done, if only I had not thought. Who's ever thought that? If only I had not sold my property at that time, waited two weeks. Who's had one of those situations? We all have. But to round this up now, I'd like to go to uh, uh, Second Chronicles and chapter 5. And we've been speaking in the last, in the last less than two weeks. There's been two messages on the covenant keeping God. And there's been a message there on, uh, I will build you a house. And speaking to David, that the Lord, the Lord said to David, because it was in his heart to build the Lord a house, God says, I don't want you to build me a house. Your son David will, be, uh, will build me a house. But because you had it in your heart to build me a house, he said, I will build you a house. Isn't that a great story, isn't it? And so we, here we are in Second Chronicles, and uh, in chapter 5, and we see that the David's son Solomon had built the temple of the Lord. It actually took, Solomon's temple took seven years to build the temple of the Lord. It was started in the second day of the second month in the fourth year of his reign. And it took seven years to build Solomon's temple. And so in Second Chronicles chapter 5, I'll paraphrase very quickly even just the major headings there. We see Solomon's temple is completed. And I want to say that the Lord finishes his work. The Lord will finish his, his house. And the Lord will finish the things on earth and the things in your life the way that he sees fit. In Second Chronicles chapter 6, we see Solomon's speech to the people and the prayer of dedication. He dedicates the whole of the temple to the Lord. Who, who's read these stories? Fantastic stories. And it says that the, uh, and in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1 and 2, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down and the glory of the Lord filled the temple and the priests could not minister. And I think it's a glorious day when I will not be able to stand and minister because the glory of the Lord will do the ministering. Who's looking forward to the day when David, will, when Jeff will be shut up? And the, and the glory of the Lord will fill the place. And I believe it will happen here. Amen. I've been in churches where the fire brigade was called in 1992. And, and uh, I was in a church in Innisfail and also later on in Townsville. And the fire brigade was called to Innisfail Church on two occasions because people saw the fire of the Lord coming down on top of the church and fire coming from the top of the roof of the church to meet the other fire in the heavens. And the fire brigade was called on two occasions on the one night and the glory of the Lord filled the place it also it happened in Townsville on two occasions at the church there in the early 90s there was an outpouring of the Spirit of God 93 94 and 95 it was a glorious thing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people you didn't have to be much of a preacher to see people saved to people give their life to Christ to rededicate their life there was weeping there was joy there was laughter and if the Lord's going to people said oh that laughter that can't be of God but I'm thinking if the Lord's going to make you laugh is it going to be a big laugh or a little laugh if the Holy Spirit's going to make you laugh in church will it be this whimsical little giggle no it can be a roaring laugh I saw it with my own eyes. Sure, some people took it to the flesh, but there was a great outpouring of the Spirit of God, and it was glorious. I came from a Catholic background, and I'd never seen anything. I'd never seen people pray with such fervor. 
They prayed for an hour before the meeting. There was two meetings a day, 300 people in the morning service in a little country town smaller than Charters Towers, and 200 people, the same people, came back at night. And they did this for year after year. It was glorious. Nowadays, there's about 50 people in the church. But I'm believing. I'm not moved by what I feel. I don't live by what I see because my God has made a way for Charters Towers. Amen. He is making a way for the people here. If you need healing today, he's making a way for you. If the bank is coming in on you, the, the taxation office is rounding you up. I say the Lord wants to make a way for you. He is the God of the now. And we know that vision and, and uh, uh, vision and things like that are futuristic. Uh, but, God, but faith is for now. Do you need to see loved ones come to Christ? They've been raised in church, and since they were 14, they've not stepped into a church. I want to say that the Lord is going to breathe, and you need to activate your faith and begin to believe. God responds to faith. It is the conduit by which the power of God flows. Amen? This dunamis, dynamite power of God needs to flow through something, and either you or your parents or somebody's got to provide the, the... The Lord doesn't care who provides the conduit of faith. There was a guy in the Bible, and he had four mates, and they broke through the roof to let the bloke down, and he says, because of your faith, he was talking to his mates... When you supply the faith, you're believing for somebody today, I say supply the conduit of faith and see the power of God flood into your situation. Amen? Amen. And we see then in 2 Chronicles, we see that uh, and, uh, 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 Solomon preempts the state of his people. And he, says, uh, and, and he says, when they sin against you, he says, for there is no one who does not sin. It's a Romans 3.23 verse, isn't it? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Or Isaiah 53 verse 6, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned into his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Amen. He knew Solomon was one, is the wisest man who ever lived. And he preempted that his people would be faithless. That they would turn to idols. And he says, but when they sin, can we cry out to you and you would forgive us? And we can see then in, uh, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 12, and the Lord heard Solomon's prayer. After he dedicated the temple, the Lord heard his prayer. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For whoever asks shall receive, he who seeks finds, and whoever knocks the door will be opened. And the Lord, it says in verse 12, the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Listen to this. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain. Oh, that's a difficult one to understand. People say, oh, that's just El Nino. As if the weather's conducted by an Italian. <laughs> And there is no rain or command the locust to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. And here is, a, here is the, the uh, we're coming to a crescendo then of verses here. And with this Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, many of you will know this by heart. And God says, if my people, whose people? God's people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. How does that verse read in the English? It says, if. It says, if 
my people. And so it puts the ball squarely in our court. When there's want in your home, uh, when there's sickness in your home, when there's poverty and lack knocking on your doorstep, when there is division in our community and things are not good so good for our government and for this land, the Bible says and God says, if my people, he holds God's people, holds his own people to account. And he says it's not the government. It's not the health department nor the education department, and it's certainly not the media. <laughs> In other words, the level of lack or plenty, health or sickness, is directly related to the amount of darkness out there is directly related to the amount of light that is in here, or the amount of light that is in here. That determines what goes on in this community. And you may say, well, I'm waiting on God when all the time that God is waiting upon you because he reflects upon his word, if my people, that's you and that's I, that's you and I. We look at the level of dysfunction around and we go, gosh, Lord, but the Lord is waiting on us. Our part, what is our part in all this? It's very clear. You want to break this verse down, you should learn this one off by heart. It says, if my people who are called by, name, by my name, that's us, first thing, will humble themselves. That's, that's something for this generation. We're not known for our humility. In, in, in fact, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 gives a great description of what this generation's thought life looks like. And humility is not part of that whole picture. And so the first thing is if we would humble ourselves. The other one thing there is, is, is if we would pray. We are the only army on earth who cuts off our own supply line. Prayer is your supply line, amen? But we cut it off ourselves by just not praying. When we come together, I pray that... Someone said, uh, can you run another prayer meeting? I said, oh, we already have one. And, uh, and it's poorly attended. And the church has, not, has become prayerless. We have to be brutally honest with ourselves. The church has become prayerless. Many people don't even go to church. They just have me, you, and YouTube, the Holy Trinity. Amen? It's not a Holy Trinity. And what about this one? He says, seek God's face. Oh, isn't that a good one? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my ways than your ways, says the Lord. Amen. Seek the Lord. And it talks about seeking and searching. The Hebrew meaning really for seeking and searching after God, particularly searching after God, is in a manner that borders on desperation. And I have found that desperate people for God are heard by God. And sometimes we begin to pray when we're desperate. Oh, we do. I prayed for my dad when he was desperate. Oh, and the Lord gave him another 11 years to his life. It was a glorious thing. Oh, he's diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, had days to live, smelt like death, looked like death. The whole family gathered around him. Pastor Tom rang me up and he says, are you believing for a miracle for your dad? And I said, well, 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 well of course I am. <laughs> but in my heart, I knew I wasn't praying in faith. Then I began to book a flight every month to go and pray for my dad. Oh, when we saw him, saw him turn around, Saw him turn around. The Lord healed him spiritually first. And then the healing came. Incredible. Until there was no trace of cancer in his life. He was given days to live. 
Oh, days to live. I went, in, I went to the butcher shop to buy him beef sausages because they were his favourite meal. And I said to the butcher, give me your best sausages for the, because they're for the last meal of a dying man. And I went home and we cooked up these sausages, got the barbecue going. And, uh, but anyway, there was a doctor's bed put in, in our home. And uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, but anyway, Dad didn't die. And so they had to... They begrudgingly came and got the bed back. I said, well, you can have it. <laughs> we don't need your bed. And the Lord granted my father another 11 years to live, and he only passed away about three months ago. Glorious story. Glorious story. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, Jesus is good. Jesus is good. Hear from heaven. This is God's part. Turn from our wicked ways. Sorry, that's the last one. That we would also turn from our wicked ways. And a lot of people say, I repent. I repent. And, but there's no change in behavior. No, but repentance is not a verbal word. Repentance is an action. Repentance is going one way and then turning around 180 degrees and beginning to walk another way. And that is the sign. That is repentance. That what pre- repentance looks like something. Amen. Repentance doesn't sound like something. It looks like something. And uh, so we humble ourselves. We pray. We seek God's face. We turn from our wicked ways. And the Lord says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I, this is the I, but it started with if my people, but the Lord will act, then I will hear from heaven. Oh, this is good, isn't it? Oh, Shema, the Lord will hear from heaven. I am the Lord who hears. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. There's the promise. I tell you what, our, our land needs healing. Right now, our land needs healing. Our homes need healing. Our extended families need healing. The level of dysfunction brings you to tears. And uh, people say, uh, what would you do in my situation? And to be quite honest, you can't be honest because... You won't be found in that situation because it's, it's a decision after decision after decision of turning the wrong way. But if my people, the Lord will say he will hear from heaven, he will forgive our sin. What a, what a great promise. And the Lord, will, the Lord is, a, is the God of a second chance. He's the God of a third chance. He's the God of a fourth chance. He's the God of a fifth chance. And he continually reaches out to the people till the last breath is in their life. And, and in fact, until uh, while there is breath in their life, where they still have a pulse, they still have an ability to believe. And that's why we're saved by believing. Amen? Because everybody has a capacity to believe. Everybody has a capacity to believe. A person could be almost in a coma and they say, will you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Will you squeeze my hand? And that person may be able to squeeze their hand. Or will you blink with your eyelids twice if you will receive Jesus? While you have a capacity, while you have a heartbeat, while you have breath in your lungs, the Lord has given people a capacity to believe. And the Lord wants to heal your land. The Lord wants to heal this land. Amen? The barrenness of the people is far greater than the barrenness of the dirt out there. Amen? The word that holds the blessing restrains the blessing, prohibits the blessing, is the same word that releases, imputes, and makes yours, yours. And that word is that mighty word, if. It's a mighty word. It's a big word, isn't it? 
Not such a small word. But the Lord told me this morning, didn't have a message, didn't even have a name. And Jill says, what are you preaching on? I'm getting together my worship. And I said, I don't know. <laughs> and then I gave her the word if. And then I gave her the word later on in the morning, if my people who are called by my name. Anyway, in Scripture it's revealed the emphasis of man is that God would heal our land. That's true, isn't it? That's our emphasis because we're of the dust. We always think of W-I-F-I or what's in it for me? What's in it for me? W-I-I-F-M. What's in it for me? That's we're, we're a what's in it for me generation. And really all we can think about is God healing our land. But all the time, God's emphasis is that we would humble ourselves and pray and have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Repentance is always about restoration of relationship to God. And God is all about and always focused on relationship. We want relationship with God because we want our land healed. We want this and we want that. But God says, I just want relationship. That's what I want. And sometimes these things uh, come our way. And uh, the, devil, you, uh, the devil does these things. Let's not attribute any of these things to God. When things come our way, they are not they are an affront of the enemy. But God can use an affront of the enemy as he did with my father. When my father gave his life back to Jesus Christ because he'd gone terribly cold and hardened and a bit cynical in the later years, and, uh, but the Lord healed his heart way before he healed his body. But when his heart, the, half the nursing home came to church the day that my father rededicated his life to Jesus Christ. Not a dry eye in the house. I'm sorry I wasn't there because it was down in, down in the Redland Bay area. But the Lord healed his heart and then the Lord healed him physically. And sometimes these great needs that we feel in our own communities, the Lord wants to bring this community back to a right relationship with himself. I pray that God is popular again, that the pendulum of righteousness, I say, I declare it, I say it in the spirit, the pendulum of righteousness is swinging, amen? I declare it in the name of Jesus. If you would stand to your feet and Jules, come to the keys. I declare, Father, in the name of Jesus, that the kingdom of heaven is near. We declare that righteousness will be established again in this land. We pray, Lord God, that you will heal the heart of the backslider, Lord God, today. You would heal the heart, Lord, of those who have no interest in you. We have a totally biblically illiterate generation coming through who have never stepped into, Father, into the house of God. They don't even know you. They don't know you. They wouldn't know Noah from Adam. They think Noah is Jesus' brother. They've got no idea. No idea. But I pray, Lord, that the breath of God is over this region. Right now we see as the Spirit of the Lord hovered and brooded over the waters of creation, that tonight by faith, join your faith with mine now and declare that the Spirit of the Lord is brooding, the weight of God's glory is brooding over every single home over this region in, in Charters Towers. We're here for revival. Jules and I are here for revival, to see a move of God, to see an awakening to God, that you have a mighty harvest, Lord, of children, Lord, 
the sporting fields, Father, are crammed with children. And yet our Sunday schools, Lord, are empty and void, Father. Father, our heart goes out to them. But you said and you promised, if my people, and Lord, we are your people and we love you, Lord God, tonight. We love you. For those listening online, put out your hand in faith and begin to believe for a mighty move of God in this generation, in your generation, in your people, with your mob. Father, we believe it today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you need healing tonight, I pray healing come in Jesus' name. Let faith arise within you and begin to believe the Lord for a mighty hand of deliverance to rebuke every work of infirmity. I pray in Jesus' name, let healing be your portion tonight in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for those who have come tonight. I pray and release the blessing of heaven over your lives, Lord God, tonight in Jesus' name. Let the shalom peace of God be your portion now. In the midst of turmoil, you can have the shalom peace of God. In the midst of the raging waters, Jesus stood up and said, Peace, be still. I say, be still. Right now, people's mind is turbulent. And I say, peace be still in the name of Jesus. Peace be still. Let the shalom, let the shalom, let the shalom peace of God, which surpasses and transcends all understanding, be your portion now, right now, in Jesus' name.